welcome. If you're listening to us right now, it means that you've heard our screams, and according to legend, you're going to die soon. I'm kidding. My name is Christina DaCosta, and I'm joined here today by my co-host and best friend, Yadira. And we are the Banshees. And this is our first podcast, and we are operating from my bedroom, which is in a totally normal location right now. It is not in a normal location. I don't know what about this bedroom is ever normal, okay? Yesterday was in a weird location, okay? It was at the bottom of the lake. I had I can't swim that well, and I had to traverse into the bottom of the lake. Okay, but did you die? I nearly did. You didn't die, though. Anyway... Today, uh, it just happens to be in a creepy forest next to a creek. And um, I followed her naked cat to get here. Anyways, what is this podcast about? So this podcast is going to be about horror in general, I would say, okay? We're going to talk about folklore, cryptids. We're going to talk about horror movies, of course, the paranormal, the supernatural, the list goes on. And, you know, maybe we might read a few spooky stories to you. And maybe if you would like to, you can also send us some spooky stories to read and we'll give you some credit for that. In fact, today's episode is going to be about uh, the Banshees, because why not? I mean, we're called the Banshees. And, you know, a lot of female ghosts that are very similar to the Banshees or might even fall under that category. And... If you want, totally up to you, you can send any stories you have um, with your experience of, you know, with ghosts similar to this one to us, and we will read it next time. So, so you may be wondering, what qualifies to do this? What qualifies us to talk about the horror genre? Well, honestly, we marathon horror nonstop, constantly, whether it's actual movies, stories, even other podcasts. We just are obsessed with the horror genre. We do not have a problem. I mean, I know I don't. I don't know about Christina. But um, anyways, what was your first exposure to horror? Okay, I see what you're doing. But okay, I'll let you change the subject. Fine. <laughs> so my first exposure was when I was six years old. Um, it was the day after Halloween, if I'm not mistaken. And I, at this time, did not have cable, and it just so happened that Halloween was on, and I was bored, and I watched it, and I was a very, very afraid. I had nightmares. And my mom laughed at me the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I would have, too. <laughs> my first exposure to horror was literally just cartoons. Cartoons that had a horror element to them, like Courage the Cowardly Dog, or Scooby-Doo, and sometimes I also just watch the really messed up episodes of certain cartoons, and it's almost always the Halloween episode, but those were always my favorite episodes and my favorite shows, and then it grew to eventually me being allowed to watch actual movies about horror, and I've just been hooked on it ever since. If only my first exposure was through cartoons. Oh, you yeah, poor, poor see, thing. I got scared and then I couldn't stop. It was weird. It was a weird addiction. Oh, you poor child. So what will we be doing on this podcast? So as I said, we are going to talk about a myriad of different things. But today's particular episode, 
is going to be about banshees and very similar ghosts. Um, and you may even argue that maybe these ghosts are a type of banshee. I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't exactly say that, but that's just me personally. Leave us your thoughts, you know, at the end of all this. Let us know. But before we begin, I'd like to point out that this podcast is explicit. And not because I swear, but because Yadira swears. That's bullshit. See? See? See what she did? Oh, fuck you. Anywho, I'd also like to apologize in advance if I leave out any details or I mispronounce some words. Uh, some of the research ended up, you know, with me going outside of the USA. And while English is not my first language, I still find it difficult to pronounce a lot of things. And, you know, it's just also hard to pronounce the name of something from a different language or something that has a completely different type of vowel system, even yep. if it is in English. Yep. Um, I tried to find as many credible sources as I could, but when you are researching things like folklore and the supernatural or the paranormal, it's very difficult to find good, credible sources. Many of the scholarly, uh, scholarly articles I found required me to buy access, or I had to buy a textbook, and I do not have the funds to do that at the moment. So I want to thank you for your patience in advance. And again, I want to encourage you to reach out to us. Give us, you know, give us constructive feedback. Give us your thoughts. And, you know, rate the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. We'd really appreciate it, appreciate it if you did, because we want to continue to grow and become better at this whole podcasting. And without further ado, let's get into some scary lore. The Kuntianak. The Kuntianak is a female spirit in Indonesian, Malaysian, and Singaporean folklore. Although outside of Indonesia, it's referred to as the Pontianak. This vengeful spirit is born when a woman dies in childbirth or during pregnancy at the hands of a man. She wears a blood-smeared white dress and is said to be carnivorous and vampiric in nature. Her prey generally consists of unsuspecting men or vulnerable people She's also said to take newborn babies. She'll often appear as a beautiful woman with long black hair and red eyes. However, when unsuspecting men approach her, she'll change into a more beastly form and physically remove their organs using her long, sharp nails. If she seeks revenge against a man in particular, it's said that she eviscerates them. It's said that she can track her prey through the scent of fresh laundry. It's for this reason that the people of Malaysia refuse to leave their laundry out to dry overnight. She will lie dormant within banana trees during the day and hunt only under the light of a full moon. There are many signs that a Kuntianak is present. One indicator is the sound of crying infants or the laughter of a woman. It's believed that if these sounds are close by, it means that she's far away. And if these sounds seem far away, she's near. Her presence can also be indicated by the howling and whining of dogs. The howl of a dog suggests that the Kuntianak is present and far away. The whimpering of a dog suggests that the spirit is near. Finally, another sign that she's nearby is the scent of the plumeria flower, followed by the scent of a decaying corpse. In order to fight off the spirit, one must drive a nail into the nape of her neck. 
The Banshee. A banshee is a female spirit depicted in Irish and other Celtic folklore. In some cases, she is thought to be a fairy creature, ranging from one to four feet in height. In other cases, the banshee was once human with strong family ties, who will quietly keen for those she loved and produce a blood-curling scream for those she despised. There are many descriptions of the banshee, ranging from an old woman with long hair wearing a gray cloak, her eyes red from crying, to a young woman in white with long red hair and a ghastly complexion. Perhaps the scariest description is that of a type of banshee known as the washerwoman. The washerwoman is said to be the spirit of a young woman who died in childbirth. She haunts bodies of water, washing the blood-soaked clothes of those about to die until the last day of what would have been her human life. She takes the form of an old woman with long streaming hair and a hooked nose with a single nostril. Her mouth contains a single protruding tooth. She is described to have webbed feet and long drooping breasts that she puts over her shoulders so they don't get in the way of her work. The washerwoman does not like being interrupted from her work. It's said that she paralyzes those who do so by hitting them in the legs with the clothes that she's washing. Interestingly, one legend that's connected with the washerwoman is that of the Headless Horseman, specifically Ewan the Headless. According to legend, Ewan McLean came across a washerwoman the day before his battle, and instead of running away, he came up to the spirit from behind and suckled. And, and he what? <laughs> instead of running away, he came up to the spirit from behind and suckled on her breast like a baby, and he would tell her that he's her child. Upon hearing this, the washerwoman grants him a wish. I'm sorry, our mad lad Ewan here walked up to a woman he didn't know and just sucked her titty. I mean, yes. And you're telling me this woman, she's, her tits are so long, she just flings them over her shoulder like a fucking scarf. Yes. What? <laughs> just So before we got to the whole drooping, droopy situation here, I started to notice a pattern of sorts with these stories, and, and I think uh, I'll, I'll save that that uh, pattern that I started noticing for the end, but what the fuck? Okay, so I- Like, <laughs> do, do we have to Me Too the Headless Horseman now? Um, no. No, okay, look, um, so, basically, the story goes that Ewan the Headless was originally Ewan McLean, right? And he had a wife, and he was described to be a very passive husband, and his wife was very assertive, and he, she wanted him to do big things, and eventually, um, he, I, I, he ends up getting into this really, really bad argument with his brother, um, and his dad. Of course. Yep. And they end up going to battle, right? Mm -hmm. And so the day before the battle, he comes across this woman. And allegedly, if you are able to suck on her breast, then she will grant you a wish, you know, up to a max of three wishes. That is one way to get your rocks off, but... Um... Yeah, but anyway, she uh, he ends up asking her, who's going to win tomorrow? And she says... When, so tomorrow when you have breakfast, 
and porridge is brought to you, if butter is also brought to you without being asked, that will tell you that you will win. And so come next morning, and Yuan is at the table with all his soldiers, and they're getting served breakfast. And butter does not come, and he ends up losing his mind, and he screams at his wife about the butter. And in you know, he is so upset that he ends up leaving without eating breakfast. And as a result, his soldiers also end up leaving without eating breakfast and they die in battle. Yuan in particular, actually, ends up getting his head chopped off. Yeah, it's said that um, he didn't even realize he had his head chopped off until after he got back up on his horse and his head fell off. Wow. Yeah. Okay, this is really 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 making the pattern I'm seeing in my brain be more visualized mm-hmm. I'm, I'm starting to connect the dots there's dots and I'm connecting I don't know what they are but we shall see you'll see okay moving on women in white the woman in white is often sighted near bodies of water bridges highways and many other places many countries have their own version of the woman in white this includes the USA. In fact, one of the most famous places to have a woman in white is known as the Union Cemetery in the state of Connecticut. The white lady of Union Cemetery is said to be wearing a long white nightgown and bonnet. No one knows who she was. She often appears at the graveyard and along and along Route 59. In India, the woman in white haunts National Highway 33. Her appearance has caused over 200 deaths. People are so frightened of her that temples have been built at both ends of the highway. Those not in a hurry will stop by the temples and make a donation before traversing the highway, praying for safety. Those who are in a hurry will often throw their donation at the temple as they enter. However, it's said that even prayers won't guarantee safety. The government has spoken about widening the highway so that cars don't have to go down long winding curves and hopefully that would make things safer however i believe that we won't be seeing the last of the woman in white on national highway 33. for the last story that i'm going to mention uh the woman in white is la llorona and since yudira is hispanic I only feel that it is right for her to tell this tale. The specific Hispanic I am is El Salvadorian, and in my homeland, I was actually born in the United States, but my family is from El Salvador, and this is the story that my cousins told me that they were told by my aunt, who was told by my father, who was told by his brothers and mom and dad. And this is also a story that my mother had heard for the first time when she was 10 years old. Um, Because, you know, what better way to get your kids through a tough time than tell them a terrifying story about not going near the water. (laughs) Anyway, this is the tale of La Llorona. La Llorona was once the most beautiful woman in her village. Unfortunately, she was poor and was leading a very difficult life. That is until she caught the eye of the wealthiest man in the village. 
man pursued her, and eventually they were married, and soon she gave birth to two beautiful children. They were happy and lived in a large and beautiful home. The man would occasionally go away on business, leaving his wife and two children behind. Unfortunately, on one business trip, he met another woman and he brought her home. She was younger and he thought she was more beautiful than his wife. And upon his return to their large home, he threw out his wife and two children onto the street. She was so heartbroken, assuming that maybe the problem was the two children. And in her grief, she took them to the river, telling them that they were going to play a game. And to play the game, they had to cover their eyes. The children being young and trusting of their mother did not expect her to hold them by their necks and put their heads underwater. She held them down with so much force that their necks snapped like twigs. Once their bodies went limp, she left the river and tried to return to her former home, thinking that her husband would take her back. But upon returning home, she realized that not only was she wet, she was without her children. She went down to the river looking for her children, but then she realized what she had done when she saw their shoes floating in the river. She began to sob hysterically. The grief was so overwhelming that she took her own life. However, when her spirit ascended to the gates of heaven, St. Peter informed her that before she could enter heaven, she must find her children and bring them with her. And now her spirit wanders the earth, weeping and begging for anyone to find her children for her. But if you approach her, she grabs you by the neck and she drowns you. They told this to children. Yeah, it's making the hairs on my arms stand up. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, honestly, the purpose of this version of La Llorona was most likely told to children just to stay, just to have them stay away from bodies of water at night because the story was originally told to children to keep them away from water. Uh, it, it was, she's always mentioned being near rivers, being near bodies of water, sometimes even at the beach. And if you go, if you hear her at night at the water, that means that she's going to drown you. So they told the, the story to kids to keep them away from water at night because, you know, kids will be kids, go in water, drown. I mean, that seems to be a running theme, right? Because the women in white, um, especially in the U.S., are often seen near bodies of water. Yeah, that's true. That's, uh, that's a thing. I, well, water has always been linked to spirituality in a way. Yeah. So, you know, because like, some, even and in some stories, um, water is also seen as a portal to the other side, if you catch my drift. Um, it's, it's a surefire way to the other side if you don't know how to swim. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of which, I do not know how to swim, so uh, I will be staying away <laughs> from bodies of water as much as possible. Please make sure that your bedroom is not under a lake next time. I can't make any guarantee of where it will be next time. But what I can guarantee is that I noticed the pattern. Are you all ready for this? Because you, 
you are not ready for this. I don't think you're ready for I don't are you ready for this, Christina? I I'm, don't think you're ready for I'm, this. I'm ready for anything. I don't think so. But um the pattern that I noticed, and it's it's really neat, in my opinion. The pattern is these stories are warnings, absolutely, but they're not for men. And you might think it's for men because, uh, he, oh, the guy in La Llorona, his kids got drowned. That's awful. Uh, Ewan, he got decapitated. Oh, terrible. Uh, the the um well, man, man gets murdered, man murders pregnant lady, pregnant lady comes back as a Kintianak and murders him. The warning isn't for men, though. These stories were written a long time ago, and the the stories, the reason why you think it's warning men is because of your modern perspective. Bad people get punished, obviously. However, morality was different way back when, and these stories are not to scare men. They were to scare women. That's actually fairly true, um, in, a, in a way, in a way, like, uh, I guess you could say that women had to, um, be careful, right? Uh, and back then, you, women were subservient to their husbands, so I guess they had to be careful about being killed during pregnancy. Yeah, you had to, women had to behave a certain way in order to survive. And, you know, sometimes survival doesn't matter to some people, and that's that's really sad, but it's true. But people back in the day, they used to have a strong belief in the supernatural and the afterlife. And what's the worst thing that could happen to you after you die? It's bad things, obviously. Um, and for women who don't obey their husbands, it's becoming a woman in white. Well, yes and no. So, for example, with the I, I the reason why I say this is because of this amazing article that you can view on Brill.com. It's actually called uh, "Kantianak Ghost Narratives and Mal and Malay Modernity in Pontianak, Indonesia." Right. So, in this article written by Timo uh, Duel. Uh, we're we're sorry we can't we can't pronounce this it's spelled d-u-i-l-e yes he um basically points out that the kantianak legend the lore right is meant to kind of show that single women are behave the way that the kantianak does mm. yeah and the and actually if you put like a nail into the nape of her neck because the nape of her neck as a whole uh she becomes this subservient beautiful wife and she becomes manageable oh dear yeah. yeah the nail is kind of looking phallic now isn't it oh god it's it's a penis <laughs> it's a penis isn't it um yes but i don't Those think they're going to assholes. yeah yeah so it, in a lot of ways, it, I guess it's to warn women that if they are single, right, that they are going to become these, you know, creatures that are erratic and are uh, not good for society. Because obviously, a vampiric, carnivorous creature is not good for society. Mm. And and in the in the Ewan titty sucker story, that's what I'm calling him from now on. Ewan the titty sucker. Apparently, um, it was so unbelievable yeah. that she had to interrupt me. 
he it just it blew my mind <laughs> i'm sorry like jesus christ um but in that story his wife was bossy you know she wanted a better life for herself and you know obviously being a woman at the time she couldn't do it so her husband had to do it and what was the punishment uh she gets yelled at and her husband gets decapitated and it, it's uh, it's kind of obvious that they're implying it was her fault that it happened in the first place so um uh, fuck you ewan not ewan mcgregor we like him here yes yes we do he has the high ground anyway um so that's really it for a podcast yeah i really hope that you enjoyed it and maybe you learned something new um if you like us please please subscribe to us from whatever podcast platform you're listening to us from rate us we appreciate the feedback ideally you rate us five stars uh, we, we please give us five stars i need the validation um but if you also want to give us support to keep doing this maybe even make this our full-time jobs because you know that would be great yeah uh, we actually do this in our spare time for the record yeah you can give us a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com slash the banshees or through a monthly donation on anchor.fm slash the banshees pod slash support yeah and you know if you don't like either of these um places let us know we may decide to make a patreon you know it depends on the feedback yeah and we'll we'll of course leave links to everything that we've got in the comments below well not in the comments in the description <laughs> yes uh thank you for listening to us thus far if you haven't clicked out and We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.